glad you could join us for episode 148 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we return to our analysis of James Cameron's cyberpunk thriller, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba, Michael Weatherly, and Ashley Scott. Tonight, we're here to discuss episode 17 of season two, titled Hello, Goodbye, and we'll get to that in a second, but man, we're on spring break. Weather's not too bad. We both made it through Easter, but I got to ask you, Wayne. Okay. Is it bad that I'm involved in a lawn cutting competition with my brothers-in-law? I mean, um, do you cut your lawn? Uh, I do. Oh, I thought you got something to do. Well, for well, my tractor broke down at the, like last July. So uh-huh. I had somebody do it and you know, lo and behold, it starts up. So, and so, anyway, oh, right. so the first thing, you know, I see, uh, my brother-in-law, Joe, Hey, how you doing? Have you cut your lawn yet? <laughs> no, no. Have you? No. John? No. Mike? No. Like, okay. So get home, cut mine yesterday. So I say to my wife, I need to call your brother. She's like, why? To tell him it's one to nothing. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I cut my lawn and he didn't. So I'm ahead. She goes, well, Jeff cut mom's lawn. I'm like what? So now I got to figure out whether that counts or not. Yeah. I don't know. Like, Cause he's got like an extra lawn. So, you know, that's, that's like an unfair advantage. Uh, I know. So <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it doesn't count and I'm ahead. Well, luckily, uh, my lawn is uh, a big pile of dirt. Like literally, <laughs> we uh, we just had you know we had a new drain pipe put in a couple months ago, and then the the the, the ground over it like sunk in over the winter, and so we just had it refilled. So you know, basically, the front lawn is just like kind of like a big patch of dirt. Yeah, I you know I'm amazed my parents had any grass at all because our front lawn was basically the the field right and uh, you know i well that's our, our backyard is like i actually replanted grass back there last year which i don't even know why i bothered because you know the kids get back there and they're playing lacrosse and they're basically running up and down this stretch of same stretch of grass that you know there's just no way there's just grass isn't going to grow there because the kids are just going to keep tearing it up and tearing it up. So Yeah, well, had we played lacrosse when we were kids, I'm sure we would have had two goals in the front lawn. But as it was, it was just uh, baseball and football at that time. So anyway, well, listen, we're not here to talk about our childhood memories. We're here to get back to Dark Angel. But I want to remind you, as always, love to hear from you guys via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. You can also record your own audio clips send the MP3 as an attachment or send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. We haven't talked a lot about what we're watching right now. We've kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe it's the looseness of being on spring break that we've got more time. Don't feel quite as rushed, but dude, I finally finished Jessica Jones. Right. Wow. Yeah. Did you like it? Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's great, mean, wasn't it? I mean, you know, we we did the pilot here on Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. It, it's just that then you consumed it at a much quicker pace than I did. And, wow, I, I you know, I, I believe I just the pace wa- at which you watched it can be described as glacial. Yeah, uh, you know, I looked, I started it in November. Like continents were formed <laughs> more quickly, you know. I <laughs> know, but, you know, on the one hand, I felt like they're dragging this out. He better die at the end, spoiler alert. I won't say who he is, well, but I, I think you just but, basically spoiled it. Well, there's, there's guy uh, anyway, <laughs> but I really love the way they wrapped it up. I, I, I think I see where they might be headed with season two, but I've got some time. Now the other show is eleven twenty two sixty three that I'm really digging a lot and they're just doing eight episodes for this first season. And I'm, I'm assuming that, once they get to the end of Stephen King's novel, they're going to have to have some other plan for what they're going to do well, in season I, I, two. If there's a season two. Yeah. I think it's just a mini series is how well, they're, they're, they're advertising it. So I don't know if there isn't a plan. You got to no. give me your Hulu uh, password, man. I, I want to watch that. All right. I will talk to you, you can, off you air. Give it to me right one. now. Yeah. Let me, yeah. oh, let me tell you what it is. Right. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. I All right, someone hacked into my, uh, um uh, my uh netflix last night because like I, w- I would go to watch daredevil and like my one son's watching something downstairs and i know my other son was upstairs 
uh, watch something else. So I went up and told the the older one to turn it off, turn off the Netflix. And I go back down, it's still saying, like, there's too many people on this. So I went and changed up the password, and now uh, all the kids are in <laughs> up in arms because I changed the password and they can't get on Netflix. Nice. This is so a little things of control you get as a parent, you know. There you go. You tell them, hey, I'll sign it on for you. So uh, Now, the other thing I'm guessing you haven't watched, uh, number one, it was on last night, which – not being a school night because of the holiday, I got to actually step and watch it, which is pitiful because the show's on at eight. Uh, the Supergirl Flash crossover. Oh, I forgot about that. I liked it. You know, I haven't read any reviews of it. I thought it was, look, Supergirl's a fun show as it is. Flash, I love the show. It's gotten a little bit darker, which I like. Sure. But just the two of them together, it, it was really cool. And if, if you're a fan of either show, I'd check it out. If you're a fan of both, it's a must-see. Yeah. So what are you keeping up with? Well, you know, all the CW shows, basically. Um, but actually, I was going to mention it later on because uh, J.P. McKenzie, who plays Normal, uh, has a role on HBO's Vinyl, which is a really, really cool show, uh, You know, kind of like about the uh, record company in the early 70s in New York. And so it features a lot of, you know, the music that obviously centers on the music of the time. So, you know, there's like one time when the guy is talking to, you know, it's an actor playing Robert Plant, but and then, you know, another time an actor playing David Bowie. And, um, and there's a full episode where uh, the one guy was trying to sign Alice Cooper. So, you know, it's just stuff like that. It's, it's uh, really cool. So I like that a lot. Is that HBO? HBO, yep. Yep. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. You definitely should. I, I think I, I thought I told you about it before, but I don't know. Yeah, you did, and I just uh, haven't gotten around. That's something uh, – that's the kind of thing – HBO, I tend to watch a lot of that stuff on my iPad because, right. you know, those apps are HBO awesome. Go, HBO yeah. Go and yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's really good. Um, so, yeah, I like, I'm really liking vinyl. Uh Walking Dead has been pretty strong. At this point, uh, you know, we had there was a a, a bit a uh, couple weeks ago where I didn't know the actor, one of the actresses. And I was called to task for that, and justifiably so. But I realized actually when I thought more about it, like why don't I know the people like on the Walking Dead, people who have been cast members forever? And that's when I realized I don't know any cast members of any show that I watch, basically, except for maybe like the the lead. Like I know Eliza Taylor for the hundred. I have I don't, I don't know. It's, it like it's that guy who plays Desmond. Like Henry, okay, Henry Ian Cusack. I I know him, but he was on Lost. That doesn't count. But for the most time, I don't think Henry Ian Cusack. I think Desmond. In fact, I still see him on the show, and I think his name's Desmond. You know, so it's always like that dude who was in like you know like we're watching this episode of uh, Dark Angel and the girl from Battlestar Galactica is in it, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, I don't remember her character's name. I don't remember the name of the actress at all. But I know, oh, she was in BSG, you know. Yeah, Duala. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, like you know, like I got like you know the guys from Supernatural. I know the first two guys. I don't know anyone. Well, okay, in Gotham. Well, okay, Ben McKenzie. All right, so one guy in Gotham. Oh, Donald Logue too. All right, so there's two. Yeah, Rose McIver, I Zombie. Yeah, I just went through it. I'm like, I could probably think of like maybe I know like one actor in pretty much every show, but I don't know the names of all the other actors. So just putting it out there, it's nothing against The Walking Dead or anything like that. It's just- That's your story and you're that's, sticking that's with it. That's my story. I'm sticking with it, yeah. Because uh, I, right. I like The Walking Dead a lot, you know, and uh, this season's been pretty good too. And Carol's been uh, amazing, whatever the actress's name is. All right. Well, speaking of zombies or whatever they are, next week, we're going to take a break from Dark Angel. We're coming back. But next week, we're going to review the pilot episode of Winona Earp, which is the newest genre offering from sci-fi. And this one's developed by Emily Andres of Lost Girl fame. And here's how sci-fi describes it. After a troubled adolescence spent in and out of juvie, Winona reluctantly returns to her hometown of Purgatory in hopes of ending the Earp family curse once and for all. To bring the paranormal to justice, Winona and her gang of misfits must take on the resurrected souls of villains put into the ground by her legendary ancestor, Wyatt Earp. Now, it's inspired by the hit IDW comic book series, Winona Earp, and it's going to premiere on Sci-Fi Friday, April 1st at 10 p.m. 
I've got high hopes for it. We're going to talk about it in the next sci-fi TV rewatch and, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. But the interesting thing, and I think I mentioned this to you last week at school, I couldn't find one teenager that had ever even heard of Wyatt Earp. Mm. Yeah, well, it's uh, I tell you what, the public education system nowadays is just awful. <laughs> well, English department's pretty right. good, but uh, I don't right. know what the hell they're doing in social studies. Yeah, how do you not know about why? Well, it, he, and here's actually my my theory. I, I I think I expressed before. It's just we haven't really had a good wider movie in since you know, like Tombstone came out, which was probably like 1995 or something, right? Wow. So, yeah. you know, I think or it might have been earlier than that. It might have been. Is Kevin Costner in that? No, he was in Wyatt Earp, which came out about the same time. Okay. But it was uh, Kurt Russell played uh, Wyatt Earp. Oh, right, right, right. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was like a great movie. So probably like most of the stuff I know about Wyatt Earp, I learned through Tombstone. So if that movie's not historically accurate, then I probably have some major misconceptions about what uh, actually happened at the time. But I'm going to clear that up next week because I'm going to do some research and we're going to have a Project X about Wyatt Earp, the man, right. the myth, the legend, and hopefully maybe a little bit of the truth. All right. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, why don't we jump into Dark Angel, Season 2, Episode 17, Hello, Goodbye, and written by Cindy Grossenbacher, who's been the script coordinator for Dark Angel all along, and Jose Molina. I was saying, Dr- I thought I saw Jose Molina's name in there. I'm like, I don't remember seeing that name. Yeah, he, you know. Uh, directed by Jeff Woolnaw, and this one aired April 5th, 2002. And, I, you know, I really like this one. I mean, right off the bat, I give this one an A. I, I mean, I, I no, love... No, throw it out there right from the Yeah, start. throwing it out there. I mean, I love the fact that it just centered about personal connections and the difficulty everybody has making them and on the one hand i felt like this virus storyline is really getting old and and it is i'm not gonna back down on that statement but it really did like i just just why they sticking with this story so long uh, yeah there there might be a big payoff at, at you know at the end but but you're right man this uh but i guess what I started thinking about is Alex's angle, mm-hmm. which is that just because of who we are, we pose a danger to these people that we care about. Sure. So that even if the virus wasn't in play, we might still be having this conversation with Max and Logan. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of, I mean, this has been this struggle since the show started, right? This idea of, do I bring people in? and get close to people or do i stay on my own off the grid keep a low profile you know because it's kind of like that was what zach thought right like don't get involved with other people only trust your your brothers and sisters uh don't get involved with anyone else keep your head down right right um so don't get involved basically he thought and then you know max was all about well yeah you're creating this little family for myself and letting people in here they're still dealing with that uh, that conflict. I think it's that's really good. You know, not about any other shows, but I'm just saying it was nice to watch a show that stayed centered, like thematically, and you know didn't go all over the place. You know, no, I agree, and and, and we did have three storylines, but they but were focused, and they all exactly. and they all linked with each other, right? Exactly. Like not only. You know, yeah, it's three different storylines, but they but they all had that thematic link with them, which was it was really good, right? And I, question, I give it an A too. I, I like the lot. It was, it was yeah, good. and so, I mean, the question we're faced with are are they doomed to single lives of emotional isolation? And look, we've talked about the shipping angles, you know, from day one of Dark Angel, and and now you're starting to see that well, maybe this is what's going to drive Max and Alec together. Look, we, we don't know. We've said many times we've never seen the show. We, we don't know. And fortunately, the listeners that have have done a great job of staying spoiler-free. But you could sort of see that as they're up on the space needle at the end of the episode. Yeah. So, all right. Well, meanwhile, you know, one of the other storylines focuses on Joshua meeting the blind woman, and he immediately realizes that there's a new world that's opened up to him. And, of course, we know 
there are still issues at play. And, and of course, he knows that as well. But but that whole idea of the pain of living in the shadows, hiding who you really are, uh, really is, is driven home. And, and sure. that whole line, and this is kind of what you were alluding to a minute ago, we're not like other people. We need to stick together. And we've got four episodes to go. Will Alec and Max get together? I don't know. We'll mm, see. I don't think so. I mean, I think if they were going to go there – they probably would have done it, not done it, but they probably would have made a more romantic connection between those two in this episode. Whereas it was clearly a brother and sister type relationship, you know, like all the hugs are like, they're very chaste. They're, they're not looking into each other's eyes or anything. It's a more sibling slash friend type relationship. You know, it, it as whatever I picked up before on up on ugh, whatever I picked up on before, I, I wasn't seeing that at all. I just thought this was definitely uh, a platonic relationship that they're developing here. Okay, then I guess we've reversed our roles. Then really, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right, and, and then lastly, you know, they were fairly brief, but I'm I'm still trying to get a handle on the scenes with Ames White and what it is that storyline setting yeah, up. Yeah, I don't get that. I'm, I'm yeah, but we'll get to that in a second. All right, so the opening scene, Max and Joshua are releasing flea bombs at his house, both suffering from flea bites. And ordinarily, this is the kind of scene that I think, wow, come yeah. on. But but it was great. It really well, was. I, at the end when he uh, – because at first I'm like, oh, here we go with the, the dog jokes again. Um, but then when he uh, ended up like – pouring the powder in his own face at the end of that scene. I was like, okay, that was funny. Well, right. But I guess even what struck me before that, and I agree with you, I, I thought that was funny. He is hoping she's going to stay with him because he can't stay inside the house. And then she feels bad about saying that she's going to crash to meet Logan. I wish you could come and all of that. He's become resigned to the fact that he's going to be alone. He's like, when when she says, well, maybe I'll come by tomorrow and hang. And he's like, okay. Which is kind of sad. You know, it's this, it's a, it, well, this, this, this theme that, um, that resounds to it is, you know, the, this idea of sacrificing what, what you have to give up for like safety or security. Um, and for most of them, they seem to think in this episode that, they have to sacrifice, you know, connect personal connection, human connections. Right. Right. Um, so, no. and, so, you know, and, it, but it's just been that way more clearly for Joshua for longer. Yeah. Now at crash, Logan's writing on a napkin, the whole cult powers versus genetic engineering. And he's working out the little family tree, you know, the connections between the two and at first, Max says something about, you, you sure you should be doing this here? And I liked his response, like, Who, nobody's paying attention. But then she tells him that he's dull. I love that. All work, no play makes Logan a very dull boy. All right. So where is this headed? Because obviously the virus is still at work. But then we look over to the bar and Alec comes in. And then Asha comes up. And we haven't had any follow-up on the night she spent at his place, sure. even though we know nothing happened. And she in fact says, glad nothing happened that night. But I wonder, does she say it to get a reaction out of him? And then when he says, Oh yeah, I agree. It, it, was she almost disappointed? Yeah, I think so. That, that was his. Yeah. Cause then she jumps on him. It's like, yeah, oh, I guess that line about the, uh, you know, the end of the world and time is fleeting. I guess that works with a lot of girls, huh? Yeah. Well, he is like, I, I think Alec is genuine here. I don't think he's playing Ash. I don't think he's trying to, to be smooth, but he ironically enough is ending up being very smooth and, you know, coming up with just, if you want to make yourself like mysterious and attractive to a woman, he's like, he's doing it right by the book, you know, like where you bring her home, but you don't do anything with her. You know, you just put her to sleep on the couch and go sleep somewhere else. And then you see her again and you pull the, you don't want to get mixed up with a guy like me kind of speech. And it's just like, man, he's just, if, if, if I thought he were trying to play her, I'd say he's playing it perfectly, but he's, I think he's being genuine here. No, and, I agree with you. He tells her to get lost and, and we know he's still smarting 
from what happened in the Beresford agenda, you know, sure. when, when Rachel Beresford gets killed. Right. And then I'm thinking like, okay, I felt like Asha was sort of, I don't want to say coming on to him, but, but certainly initiating the conversation and all that. And then boom, rejected again. I mean, rejected by Logan and now rejected by Alec. Yeah. Like, She's gotta be like, all right, like I'm super high. Why am I getting turned down? You know? Yeah. And, and then Max, innocently comes up to get a refill on the pitcher and then she gets the max we don't belong with them we're a danger to them and then she says she's going to go logan tries to stop her touches her arm and then we're in the hospital with him clinging to life and right he he really like i I wrote that he manhandled her you know like i wasn't that was like he grabbed her like it was aggressive yeah so in a way press charges battery yeah he kind of you know, it's. I'm not saying he got what he deserved because you know, like, but he shouldn't have been grabbing her like that, though. I guess my other question is, why is Max's reaction to anything like this immediately to run? Probably, I think just that's been her reaction for so long. You know, like she's. We're still not really that far out of. You know, every what started. You know, if you remember at the start of this, that was like she was completely on the run, right? Yeah, I wish we had a timeline. Right. No, I think you're right there. Um, but Max suggests a blood transfusion from another transgenic. And, and of course, she calls Alec. And, and we've mentioned this before. He doesn't ask why. He says, I'll be there. But then, of course, he gets arrested and doesn't show up. Right. So, And at, at that point, we don't know exactly what's going on with that. So uh, Max and Alex coming to term with their life of isolation is pretty much, I think the a story in this. And we see Alec part of a police lineup and he assumes he's just been pulled in because he looks like, you know, everybody else, he, he fits the profile. He doesn't think he did anything wrong. And, and actually this time he didn't. Right. But he gets ID'd in the murder of Timothy Ryan. Yes. Who I didn't know who that was, but I, mean, uh, no. I, I assume he was in, that episode with ben but i was like wait you know again this is because we've been back and forth with dark angel and taking a couple weeks off and coming back to it so every time we come back it's just like okay what you kind of have to like reorient yourself and at first i was like did i miss something from like one of the last couple episodes that that alec either maybe accidentally killed someone that was involved with something um but no it was ben Right. Now, Logan obviously pulls through, and then I understand her when when she tells him, how many miracles do you think we're going to be able to get? And he's willing to risk it. She's not, and and basically hangs up on him. And at at this point, she's determined to stay away from him, which, you know, obviously has got to be a tough decision for her. I mean, she does have friends. I mean, certainly original Cindy is her closest friend, but still that male companionship that she desires it's going to be it's not going to have it's not going to come from logan well she doesn't i don't think she's desiring like male companionship she i mean she loves logan she wants logan's companionship right right but i think now she's just resigned to the fact that that's not going to ever right. happen right and uh, rightly so how many miracles can we expect yeah to have so we're back at crash sketchy tells max and cindy that alec got arrested which should alleviate her anger about him not showing up but it doesn't and and then it seems to really makes her a little bit madder it, it does but it takes cindy's pragmatism about the barcodes to get max to go help him and if there's any character that we need to see more of it's original cindy yeah but I'm afraid we're probably not going to get to see that much of her running out of time. Exactly. All right. So in shackles, Alex brought into a room to meet Whitney Mann, his public (laughs) defender, which of course is Max. Right. And he's a little taken aback that she would think he would kill somebody in cold blood. I think he was taken aback at how hot she looked in that uh, suit. Well, that I'm sure that too. (laughs) See, now you're talking, that would be my line. You're right. You're talking about brother and sister stuff. But then he tells her that the man's teeth were extracted 
And she pauses and says, Ben, which he doesn't hear right at that point. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, does he not know about Ben? Well, obviously he does, but obviously Max knows more and that Ben killed 10 people with all the same MO extracting the teeth. And and that, you know, takes us back to, you know, the time when they were kids with the blue lady and, you know, giving the teeth as offerings. Right. So, which was, yeah, still weird. (laughs) But Uh, yeah, but you know, like, I'm like, you know, like, why, why, why isn't Max even listen? I mean, granted, I know Alec is not like her favorite person in the world, but I don't know if he's really lied to her, you know, that like she just is completely dismissive of him. When he says, you know, you know me, would I kill someone? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, what what makes you say that, you know? Well, does she say it because she knows he was a trained assassin at Manticore? Now, granted, he's certainly not the same person now. But, but so so is she. She's not going around killing people, right? Well, uh, you know, I mean, do they kill yeah, anybody I mean, getting away? I don't know. Yeah, but I, you, you know what I mean. I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Like, she doesn't even listen to him at all she, she's complete and then i'm starting to wonder why she even showed up in the first place if she's completely dismissive of him and doesn't listen to his story at all like why'd she go there in the first place then well the barcode right just to so that it doesn't expose the innocent manticore uh, yeah but but she's gonna leave him there she's about to until she figures that it was ben not alec right well, that's true. So why did she, like you said, why'd she even come there just yeah. to, uh, right. Good point. Like just a gloat or something yeah. like, yeah, didn't make any sense. Like you, you go there, I assume to like, listen to him and find out, but yet like right off the bat, she's just like, no, 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 you're a killer and I'm out of here. You know, it's just like, wait, what? Yeah. So, well, wh- I think the thing I loved most about this episode were the serious moments that Alec and Max have and and they're back at Max's and he, he realizes he can't use his alibi because his alibi is that he was still at Manticore. And then she tells him use it, but (laughs) it's going to open up a whole other set of issues. (laughs) Now she tells him that she's not going to see Logan again. And then he just says, tell me about him. Tell me about Ben. And you know, we rarely see Alec in this serious contemplative mood and she tells about Ben, how he always wanted to know what was outside. He was the storyteller of the group. He made us feel loved like we weren't all alone. But I guess like a lot of the transgenics, he couldn't handle the outside world and he just lost it. And then what I'd forgotten, and, and she brings up, is that Max is the one that killed Ben in the woods after he'd already become the serial yeah, killer. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, that, yeah, that was a very, uh, you know, nicely done scene, and uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of emotion packed. In well, that well, scene. right, and then as Alec comes to realize that seeing him must really be difficult for Max because it just dredges up those memories, and you know, where she says, "I guess that's probably why I've been such a bitch to you," and just that that whole recognition on both of their parts. I think just has to draw them closer together. Look, whether it draws them closer together romantically remains to be seen, but it certainly tightens that bond that they, that they have. Now she tells him that Ben asked her to kill him, which, which she does, but she regrets leaving his body for them to take. And, and I guess that's more of a symbolic gesture. I mean, it's a natural enough reaction. I mean, just, we know she just feels like, you know, tons of guilt, over the thing with Ben as it is. Um, and it's just manifesting itself in a bunch of different ways. Well, she feels she saved herself and right. not him, but what could she have done? And, and I think Alec realizes that comforts her and, and surprisingly she allows it, you know, he puts his arm around her. I almost half expected her to like knock it off, but you know, tears streaming down her cheeks, uh, just a really emotional moment. Well, I think and, she's, you know, like Alec is really like more so probably than any character, I think, uh, in the show, he's really changed. And that's why, like I was talking about before when he's talking to Asha, how you have suspect that he is 
kind of working a game here because, you know, when we first knew him, that was his whole deal, right? But he's kind of changed around and now he is a much more sensitive, sincere. And I think really the, the, that whole, the Beresford thing is really what kind of turned that all around for him. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah, not the actual event, but when you know, he had to relive it um, again, that uh, like since then he's been uh, much more sensitive and serious and so on. Right. And unfortunately it's this sensitive scene as they're leaving Max's place that Logan, who's come to see Max witnesses and of course misinterprets. And I, you know, maybe it's the fact that he feels vulnerable Logan, that is, but I'm not sure what he saw given everything he knows about Max and Alec that would lead him to think that the two of them were having some sort of relationship behind his back. Well, yeah, you just, the, the green eyed monster is once he's out of the cage, uh, he's difficult to put back in. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, the B story centers around Joshua coming to terms with a life of isolation. And the interesting thing here is he gets a taste of what it could be like in a world Mm -hmm. in which he would be accepted. So Alec hasn't shown up at the hospital. Max realizes that Joshua is now her only hope. And he's at home when a blind woman played by Candace McClure, who you already mentioned played D Duala in Battlestar Galactica. And most of the time we saw her working on the, the bridge with the, the captain and you know she ran you know ran some sort of a console there but but she was a fairly major character she was in most episodes didn't she didn't she marry uh she had a she had a relationship with lee yeah adama, adama. i yeah. don't know if they got married or yeah. not they may have they okay did they yeah. yeah they got married remember and then he got all fat and stuff and everything Oh, and then that's right. And then, and then I guess they, right. Like he ended devolved up with, yeah, yeah, exactly. But her guide dog took her to Joshua's porch and he's out there waiting after the uh, flea bombs. It, it was, you know, really a sweet scene. He tells her he's visiting from Mantia Coral in France. <laughs> and, I, you know, just, of course, it took me back to um, Monte Cora when Alec was uh, doing his cage fighting. But it's Ugh. like... He, he realizes right away that his appearance doesn't matter to her. Right. And we're thinking, okay, this could actually develop into something, but he goes to the hospital, gives blood. And did you see Joshua petting Logan telling him to get better? I did not see. That oh, that was great. It was well, exactly, I mean, I'm sure I saw it. But I just didn't make note of it. Yeah. Uh, it was exactly what you do to a dog. I right, loved right. it. All right. So Annie and her dog, come back to see Joshua. She invites him to dinner, but he says, no, no, come to my place. I love to cook. Do you like macaroni and, and, mac cheese? and cheese? Of course. But it doesn't look like he had cocktail weenies though this time, yeah, right? That, that's, that's what makes it though. No, I understand that, but it looked like he had an actual <laughs> meal. So uh, his culinary skills seem to be improving. Well, he's she, got a lot of time. Yeah. Yep. But previous to that, she had smelled turpentine and, and he tells her that he's a painter, which comes into play in a little bit. So she tells him that she lost her sight as a result of a measles outbreak. So obviously we know she could see at one time, but the contrast between her being able to go out in the world, even though she's blind against Joshua being forced to stay in the shadows is not lost on him. Right. And, and it's, it really is meaningful. And, and I th- again, I think one of the things that makes this episode so poignant is that that's a fact that's driven home about Joshua here. Yeah. And well, you know, and the main thing about this really, that I, the main takeaway is that you're not supposed to pet the guide dogs. Right. True. And he's just petting the dog left, right and center. And it's just like, of course it doesn't seem like a very good guide dog that keeps, you know, <laughs> kind of, going up like they're not supposed to lead their person up uh up you know the steps of strangers houses well while while he wasn't a guide dog or a working dog i did grow up with a golden retriever and i can't tell you how many times we got phone calls from the neighborhood pool club uh can you come down and get your dog uh yeah we'll be down you know what's he doing running around the parking lot no he's in the pool (laughs) like okay (laughs) we'll be right there Um, that's awesome uh, yeah, it was. So 
she says she wishes she could see his paintings and get to know him. I guess I thought he was going to describe, but obviously his current work is boss relief. So she can actually feel the texture, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the sections that are raised. And then he tells her what color each piece is. Right. Which again, you know, it's like they're really, they're both helping each other, which sure. she doesn't know how much she's helping him, which I think just makes it all the more intense. Yeah. And yeah, I like this, the idea of how art, you know, like he's communicating through art here and uh, um, that kind of transformative power of art as well. I thought it was a really cool scene. Right. And of course, we, we, we'll talk about his next work in a second. Because then later, Alec needs to crash with Joshua for a while. And there's a great scene. Alec asks, where's your TV? <laughs> and uh, no TV. Joshua goes, grabs a book, hits Alec on the forehead with it, and tells him, you can read. <laughs> yeah, Obviously, like, uh, that, no. Yeah, uh, no. But yeah. then Alec sees the painting he's working on of Annie. And the old Alec would just have mocked Joshua and made fun of him. Or tried to sell it. Or tried to sell it. Good point. But, you know, Joshua's pain comes to the surface, and we don't hear any wisecracks this time. And he even tells him, I know I need to lay low. But again, it's like with, with, with all of the transgenics here that you're not going to have happiness. And again, it's, I know I say this, it seems like on every podcast I'm on, but you go back to Oliver Queen telling Barry Allen, guys like us, we don't get the girl. Right. And obviously for different reasons, but, you know, not all that different. Yeah, not not, not really different. Um, but, yeah, kind of like the same thing like that. And, and again, that's that is like the main theme of this whole thing is this, you know, people who desperately want connection, who want to have relationships with others, but coming to the realization that they can't. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just can't. And uh I mean that that it was I would almost use the word heartbreaking that scene where he had to kind of turn her away. Um and she starts crying and everything. It was like really a very sad scene there. Cuz you feel not just bad, obviously you feel bad for Joshua, but man you really feel bad for her too because she's like, "Oh, I thought everything was going okay and now all of a sudden like he's going away, you know. It's just it's, Well, yeah. Well, yeah, Alec tells him, send her away before you fall in love with her. And, and like you said, it's heartbreaking. And and obviously, it's a nod to both his and Max's experiences. And then he tells her that he's got to go back home. And then when she says she wants to remember him, we know what she means. Mm -hmm. And then it's so poignant because we see then Alec standing in for Joshua, who's standing off to the side. Yeah, which is even sadder. Right? Yeah, because here was this woman that he could make a connection with and and be himself, and when it comes down to it, Alec has to stand in for him. He can't uh, have her put her hands to his face. Right, and the irony is, she'd be fine with it. Well, uh, yeah, would she though? Well, okay, I guess you're right. You know, that's 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 easy that's, to assume. Right. Uh, certainly the way her character arc was going, we would assume that, yeah, she would still be okay. But, you know, uh, we've seen so many people, like everyone who sees Joshua reacts so strongly to him. that Right. But the difference is she got to know him first. Right. As opposed to seeing well, him. Well, so that. did all the, the stoners. You know, well, they got to <laughs> know him first, but when he took that helmet off, man. Well, that's a good point. I think what Alec and Max would say can we trust her to keep quiet about this? And we assume she could, but but again, we we don't know. And well, that's the whole point of sending her away is so they don't expose this. So right. So for you know to for her to put her hands to Joshua's actual face was that goes against the whole reason why he's pushing her away. Right now, you know, a scene, and it's not all that long, but it leads into what we were just talking about. And I think it's easy to s dismiss this as simply a you know funny lead-in, but Joshua doesn't have a TV, so Alec, who doesn't want to read any books, gets a TV, 
But Josh was not abused because Alex got the volume so loud and tells him to, you know, turn it down when that news break hits. And obviously the news break, you know, leads us into another direction. But the whole idea of what Alex watching and the commentary that even he makes about, look, he calls it the boob tube, which is is certainly a condescending term for television. Joshua recognizes, what does he say? Tricks or treats. He realizes that there's nothing of substance. It's just sugar that's on the, on television. Yeah. And even Alec realizes it. True. Yeah, there's a lot of rubbish out there. Yes. All right. Now, the C story, which we both kind of alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, that we're not exactly sure where this is headed, but it's white and the link now, though, between the breeding cult and Manticore, something that we suspected, but now because of his medallion, we have a little bit of really solid uh, tie together. So we see white talking to a transgenic who he apparently infected with the snake blood that he thought would kill the guy, but it doesn't kill him. Yes. Okay. Which was the guy that, and Sketchy says it later, was I think just last episode, right? That Sketchy saw that guy getting nabbed down in the the sewer. Right, right, exactly. He does. Now, White meets Moorhead, and, and we've certainly seen her before, tells her it's time to tell the conclave that Sandeman may have made the transgenics immune. This changes everything. Time to make a move. Okay, so we're wondering what kind of move is going to be made. Oh, what does it change? Right. But, you know, I, again, just to, to take a quick flashback, as you mentioned, when we haven't been talking about Dark Angel for a while, it's been a little over two months because of uh, Lost Girl, you, you, you tend to forget some of the details. But obviously the breeding cult uh, is really resistant to any sort of genetic manipulation both of them the breeding cult and manticore they're out to produce superior humans they're just coming at it from different angles right Right? so apparently sandeman was involved with the breeding cult at one point and then i guess had some sort of a, a disagreement over methods and and left so so that there is some sort of connection and and i guess that's what they're talking about now white tells mule that he's getting out of here right we're going to release you and this i just don't understand why it happened the way it did right so he drives mule into that area tells him that if he gets over the fence he'll be safe gonna have to avoid the sector police and i'm wondering is this some kind of test yeah well i mean we know that there's something right? that that there's some kind of reason that he's doing this and it's probably not anything good but yeah at the time i'm like what the hell is going on here well i mean he goes through he's immediately caught yeah well because he just jacks open the fence right like but but that's what white told him to do but he said to go over it didn't he or like like it, it, it certainly implication was is you're going to have to be careful and sneaky, and he just walks up and just cranks the fence open and walks through. It's like um, you probably want to be a little bit more subtle than that. I think. Okay. Okay. See, I he guess did I, tell him not to get nabbed, right? So well, if he, he's telling well, he, you not to get nabbed, then that means there's people to nab you. Yeah, but then why would you do it in broad daylight? I well, don't. Know. I I would just assume he'd kind of hang out for a little bit until it got dark. But yeah, yeah. well, you're right. It all is like. Basically, what we agree is like we're sitting there wondering, what the Why? heck? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So, while watching that news report that comes on, which now confirms that he had a barcode, Alec tells Max to come over, and we're wondering what for. It's to console Joshua. When you care about someone, you have to do what's best for them, even when it hurts. And then he tells her, "Love sucks." Yep pulls off that pendant he's wearing and she seems surprised tells her that father gave it to him and it's got that intertwined snake symbol used by the breeding cult and and then she of course sneaks into logan's adds the necklace to his whiteboard but he catches her and he is drunk yeah yeah he's drowning his sorrows drowning his jealousy and jealousy and alcohol don't mix no, they don't. But what'd you think, though, of Max's reaction? Because then he says, tell me it's not true about you and Alec. And she says, I right. can't. Right. Which is a good non-answer. 
right? She's well, not, she's not admitting that they're together. She's just saying, I can't answer that because the truth would give him hope and she wants to do the, right? It's this whole thing. Push the people away. You have, if there's someone who you care about, who you love, you need to push them away. And that's what she's doing. And she realizes, well, if he thinks I'm carrying on with Alec, this is the perfect way to get Logan to back off and to not, and to leave me alone. Well, right. not to leave her alone, but you know, that, you know, she wants to, to distance herself. And so here's the best way to do it. Right. But see, I still see it as a lie. You, you, I guess are looking at it semantically. Yeah. But either way, I'm still pretty surprised. I'm thinking like, Wow. It's over. We're done. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I, I, I don't like to watch the next show before we actually talk about the one we're prepared for, but uh, couldn't resist. Huh? No, no, no. I still haven't, but no, I, I, I certainly want to get to it, even though we're going to be doing Winona Earp on the next podcast, because I got to know what's going to happen here. Sure. Well, we get to the closing scene and we're back on the space needle. It's been a long time since we've been on the space needle. It seemed like there was a lot more graffiti on it, but maybe I just, missed it in the previous times but alex shows up yeah he says i thought i might find you here and i'm almost like why did he think he'd find her there you know i guess maybe he knows and she said i'd like to go and hang out the needle sometimes but i'm like why why would you go looking for a person on the space needle yeah i can't remember if he's ever been up there with her before or not but he says given everything that went down today I thought we could both use a friend. And and then he says, you got any deep realizations to offer? Yeah, love sucks. Yeah. But obviously, it's far more than just that. You know, it's, it's, I'll tell you, if I'd been watching this show at the time it aired and got to this point and realized that it wasn't coming back for a third season, I mean, I don't know at what point, you know, it was announced publicly that it wasn't coming back for a third season, but obviously they could wrap things up in four episodes. I think we're pretty sure they're not going to. Yeah. I don't think they're because they expected to have a third season, but wow. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm, you know, it's, I dread it because I know I'm going to get to the end and I'm just like, no, yeah. Yeah. How can you do this to us? So, you know, like, Every now and then, you know, James Cameron and Charles Eagley uh, get together and to, you know, stir the hopes of Dark Angel fans worldwide. But, yep, they're just going to have to stand as it is, you know. Now, as I recall, I, I believe I did read that basically Dark Angel got the boot to make room for Dollhouse. I thought Firefly. Oh, Firefly got the boot to make room for Dollhouse. No, I think Dark Angel got the boot to make room for Firefly, right? Oh, okay. okay. Well, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, and well, I'm sure there's loads of people out there who can correct us, but. Well, either way, my point's going to be the same, that apparently Joss Whedon had more clout than James Cameron. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising. Yeah, like back then. He's yeah. Like, really? I mean, not so much I mean, now. I mean, he'd still he'd done Buffy and everything, so it's not like he was without clout. But uh, still, you know, James Cameron, the early uh, aughts is a. I mean, he still is a pretty big name, but you know, I think he's just Titanic hadn't been far in the past, right? Right. So, anyway, all right. Anything else you want to add to this one? Well, the only thing is, like, oh, the guy Mule Man, like he was just like this poor guy like you know basically having war crimes committed on him and he was just so cowed and helpless you know like this complete victim mentality he actually thanks uh white before he gets out of the car yeah and look what we see him and he's in that little room polishing shoes yeah and he seems happy doing it yeah just like, man, I just, I felt so bad for that guy. You know, it, just, it was just so sad. Mm, I know. So, yep, that's all. All right. Well, uh, like oh, oh, one other thing. All like right. that elbow Max throws when uh, breaking uh, uh, Alec out of prison. Like, you know, when the guard comes into the room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he, she's like, bam. 
elbow, which leads me further to meditate upon how easy it is in this show to break out of prisons. Like this is like the third time that they've done this. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. That I guess that they're like superhumans of some kind. So I guess I understand. And which also leads me to say, which I, this is something I've learned is that they would have totally gotten electrocuted breaking out of there. Well, maybe, maybe they like, have something in their, uh, Oh, maybe. Yeah. Right. Transgenic manticore DNA. But Probably that's not. <laughs> when they have the, uh, the neighborhood watch national night out every August. And then the power company does a little display basically showing how dangerous power lines are. And basically, they show you how electricity goes through everything. <laughs> like, like, this, like if you think like you, you have a piece of wood in your hand and you can move a power line with a piece of wood, uh, no, that's you know, or plastic or rubber or anything like that. You just basically show how everything uh, conducts electricity. If you touch a power line with basically anything, then you're going to get cooked. So exactly. So, all right. Well. I think we both really like this episode and I'm looking forward to seeing the last four, but on the other hand, I sort of dread it. Yeah. Well, when you know, yeah. When you know the end's coming. uh, Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear from you about dark angel or anything else you think we should be watching. Like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website and we'll be back next week when we take a look at the pilot episode of emily andres's latest project on sci-fi winona earp but until then you know dave every time we go in to have lunch with the rest of the english department i just keep saying to myself we don't belong with them we're a danger to them